The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. An incredible content creator for his comedy sketches. Plus, he does voice acting for Hell of a Boss. By what? I can't be on a sitcom. I have a special kinship with Blitz that I don't necessarily share with a lot of my other characters. We chat about his new movie that he was in, his creative process, and his new series, Class Acts, which is a spin-off of his very first series that took off on YouTube. Theater Class. It is almost like a The Office type show. I hope you're cutting to the wide. This is my favorite angle. So if you haven't yet, I really want to hit 30,000 subscribers. So please, please subscribe. Spill it here. No, not on this show. Please. Who are you saving it for? Anthony's? You already did that. <laughs> <laughs> this is Brandon's third or fourth time on the podcast now. So leave a comment down below and welcome him back. Yes, save it. I'll be right there. What street is it on? <laughs> I'm in Palm Springs. I'll be there in three hours. Be there in three hours. Don't yeah. move. <laughs> Don't. So without further ado, Brandon Rogers. As a guy who used to film with you, there's one scene where you look really buff. Here we go. Were you pumped to put that in your video as like a, hey, look at how hot I am now? Which scene are you talking about? Depends, because there are those scenes. Episode but two. Of there, uh, Blame the Hero? No, this Oh, of this fucking th claptrap I'm working on. You're like, biceps are out. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. It's been not, working. Hey, you know, it's all acting, set design, props, costumes. It's all just a front. And uh, the muscles, however, are uh, not that just a front; they're in the back too. Prove but uh, we'll get to those later. That's it. Uh, but yeah, you know, if you if you if, do you know how long I fucking wanted def definition in my upper body? I never had since it since you started. Since I since I started living, since I was a baby. <laughs> since you were a baby, red. I've never had it. So any chance I get, the arms come out, and they don't apologize, and they don't sign a release. <laughs> we just watched your new series. What's mm -hmm. it called? Class Acts and. It is a continuation of theater class from 2009, which was my first ever uh, like major web series that I've done. That's crazy. That's 14, 14 years, years ago. 14 years in the goddamn making. Can you believe that? And you got the same cast. Same cast. Same. Yeah. There's like one or two that that couldn't make it back, but it's pretty much the, the entire and a bunch of new people. It's the people I'm filming with now and the old people from from 14 years ago. It is such a fucking legacy project. It feels like it's just it makes you reflect in all these different ways returning to something that old. I'm so serious, Joe. I'm going to take off my sunglasses for the rest of this interview. <gasps> uh oh, I got to keep my. Are we going? I hope you don't cut to a close up. <laughs> Are you? How did theater class survive all these years? That now you can do a continuation of it. Sorry, you your know, face. <laughs> what well, I was just doing a normal face. You're laughing at my face. There's no separation between the uh, the art and the artist there. No, um, 
how does what was your fucking question? How do you do a continuation of a series that you made on YouTube in 2009, 14 years later? How are you still doing it? it? How feels, are you still able to continue making I, this? Yeah, it feels like I've fallen back in touch with a friend I fell out of, fell out with, fell out. I, theater class was a series that I kind of cringed at because you know, you know, no one ever likes to remember their first ever big project. It's not like you just keep. I mean, some people do. I don't know, but I like to always. You know, anything that I did more than like two years ago, I cringe at. And so for theater class, I've always just sort of, I've tried not to look at it. I've tried, like, I, I know it's there on the channel and people will comment like, oh, I, I still watch this series or I check back in with theater class every now and then, or that's how I found you. But I, I just sort of like, okay, great. It's there, but I don't want to watch it. Um, and then about, I don't know, seven, six or seven months ago, Liam and I were uh, at a convention and a lot of the people were coming up talking about theater class, you know, at the, at the, at the booth. And um, I didn't realize the show still had so much lifeblood in it after all these years. And I'm thinking, it's like when you hear people talk about like an ex or an old friend that you don't talk to anymore. And they're like saying great things about him. And you're like, well, fuck, maybe I was an idiot for leaving this shit behind. Um, so I went back and Liam and I watched the entire thing from beginning to end. And who's Liam? Liam is the person who filmed the entire thing. Wow. Yeah. The, well, the, not not back then. Liam was a baby uh, claptrap eight-year-old uh, baby <laughs> pants back then. Eight years old. Eight, if I knew back then that someone who's eight years old is going to film the, the final season of this project, it's very mind-blowing. But um, yeah, it's it's... I, I gave it a shot, watched it again with him, and came to the conclusion that I was being really harsh to myself for thinking, for just, I, I assumed the production value was much lower than it was. There were parts of it that I was amazed. I was like, wow, that was, you know, I was 20, I was 20 years old when I made that. So and that just, was pretty early in your filmmaking journey. Yeah, I remember we, I was, yeah, because we would go out as a cast to Chili's after almost every shoot and I couldn't order drinks. So that's, that's. Tells me how young I was when I made it. So, so to look, you know, you always think, oh, I was twenty. It probably looks like shit, and I just didn't want to look at it. But then once I forced myself to watch it again, I was like, I have to end this. I have to put a finale to this, you know. And <laughs> and um, and then I announced it, and and uh, people were very positive. I was afraid that people would be like, oh, he's returning to his, you know, old work because he can't think of anything new. It's like I've had this season in my head for a while. I've been wanting to do this for a very for since. 2010 when we stopped shooting it and so I'm, I'm happy to finally do it it's a bucket list item for sure was the response more overwhelming making a continuation of something you did 15 years ago rather than a completely new one kind of yeah because because whenever i do a new whenever i do a trailer for a new series i'll put a promo out and people be like oh this looks interesting i wonder what this will be like but with this series they know what it's gonna be they know what they're in right. for and and there's a sense of nostalgia that i've never seen in the comments of people like oh this was my childhood or this was you know this got me through high school or i would watch this when x point in my life wherever people were in 2009 you know to now the show has had a different impact on so many different people and so it's cool to return back and i'm always a big fan of when shows have a proper comeback like the comeback which is one of my favorite shows came back was it like 10 years or something in between the seasons and so it's very 
refreshing to see something you thought was dead come back to life. What's changed from you as a filmmaker then to now? Are you still editing? Are you still writing? Are you still doing everything it's yourself? Very, very little. That's I think the that's most. Crazy, that's crazy, Brandon. Very little. The I, I I still edit on the same software. I still capture iMovie? sound the same way. Yeah, iMovie. Brandon iMovie. Rogers edits his videos on iMovie. Yeah. That is the most shocking thing I've ever heard. Go fuck yourself. No, it's an honor. Oh, okay. All and, right, here we go. That's crazy. Yeah, I I love it. I I love iMovie. I I I just like a simple timeline. I I also have ADHD and I like to smoke weed. So it's like, I don't have a time for all this buttons and gizmos of final cuts and premieres. I use Premiere for my VFX, but... You do do the, like that stuff, but the basic outline is... I don't like buttons. I don't like lever... When you when I see a software and it's all this... And does, I think a lot of people, I think most people are look at that and they learn it fine. I look at that and I go cross-eyed. It's like walking into a cockpit and trying to like imagine how a pilot possibly knows what every button does. I told you that. That was my most shocking thing when I moved to LA. When I first met you and I came over to your house and you had millions of followers and you're editing your videos and I'm seeing how you edit after college taught me how to edit in Avid. Like what? No. Who uses Avid? See, that's that's an interesting categorical thinking and and consequential thinking. Categorical thinking, you're like, oh, well, I should do it this way because that's the way everyone does, and that's how I was supposed to do it because that's how I was taught. And then there's consequential thinking, which is like, what is the consequence if I just do this simply and just get what's in my head on screen? What's the fastest way to do that, regardless of should I or shouldn't I be doing it that way? And um, there's really no consequence to doing iMovie. Other, I mean, as long as what you're putting on the screen looks the way you wanted it to look, who the fuck cares if you edit it on a goddamn potato? That's literally the coolest thing. I I, I advocate for people to not have any shame using potato technology. <laughs> like like the jankiest camera. 28 fucking days later was shot on a little uh, Hi8 or Super 8, whatever the fuck. It was a, v, a little cassette camera. Was it really? Yeah, some oh, wow. shit you'd buy at fucking Best Buy. Yeah. I know some Marvel movies used uh, 5D Mark Threes. Yeah, Marvel. Yeah, they spend a lot of money. Oh wait, Mark Three. Is that? A, I don't know cameras. Is it's that like a, good a one? three thousand dollar camera? It's a oh. very cheap one. It's oh, a DSLR. Okay. Oh okay. Yeah, they a don't dick even... sucking long what recordings, is, is something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DS dicks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You used to live in the Bay, so did you? I have did. To, did you have to drive all the way up there to film this series with well, the cast? Yeah, we shot a lot of it. It was. <laughs> it's. It is drastically more expensive to film scenes that are. Not in Los Angeles. Really? <laughs> well, just travel costs and then uh, like a hotel and then you have to bring the crew with you. And so oh, it's like, right. And so it, it, it's, it takes twice as much, if not three times as long to shoot something on, on a you know, faraway location. And it took us... We we filmed it in three days. All the of the, whole- the the stuff out out up in the Bay Area. We f- it was, but it was three solid days of shooting. We got there and barely slept, and we shot all three days, and then we came back home. And there was a pressure of like we better get it because if we don't, I'm not hauling this whole crew back out there to get these these pickups. When you film with your dad, yeah, my is dad. that a cool moment for him? Yeah, it always has been. Every every time he appears in a video, he is so happy to be there and he's so supportive. <laughs> and you can see it in his performance how he's just having fun. You could see it in his eyes, like in that scene that that we saw. He was very um grateful to be there and was was like savoring every moment. And seeing how happy he was on set made me happy and I think it also resonates to the rest of the cast. He's very infectious his personality. It's just cool that I get to have a relationship with a parent that uh with my, with my dad, who you know, I understands what this means to me and, and likes to be a part of it, and I know that that's not everyone. You know, not everyone has it. So your dad was in your first series. Yes, he was in. So in two thousand nine, before you really were doing this. Yeah. 
You but that's s- so cool that he was there from the beginning to see how mm-hmm. far you've grown. He's the, uh, I believe, like the first character you see in the pilot. Like he's he's in that very first scene. So I, if anyone who has seen theater class, even if they just made it in, you know, three seconds into the pilot, they'll at least know him. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I had to include him in this. And also, I would be kicking myself in the head if he wasn't in this series. There's no reason for me not to have him in it. Even from that very first, sorry, from when you did theater class the very first season. Mm-hmm. Did you still script it out the same exact way that no. you do now? It's crazy. Yeah, really nothing has changed in the way that we make it. That's wild that you still have that same process. It is weird. Like you figured it out right away. Yeah, the process kind of changes from series to series. Like Bryce, we had a different process because that was less about like the like production element. It was more a lot of it was more about like tone, lighting, her makeup, her hair. Bryce was very like aesthetic oriented. And uh, whereas this is is like, you know, we're dealing with a larger cast. We're dealing with like the script. We're more picky with the wording with this series because it's all it's almost like a poem. You know, the lines are short between the characters and they all riff off each other. Every line determines the next, determines the next, determines the next in this comedy of like, of, of that's like really 90% dialogue based. And so going back to this, you know, we kind of learned a different way of doing things over the years. But then going back to this series, I found that just doing it the original method keeps that flavor still there. And it's fun going back to the original recipe and making it the way we did. When I talk to you, I feel like you don't understand how incredible it is that you actually do like a series and it all makes sense. And there's like episodes and like you do it so with ease it's so crazy that you can just do that in your brain i i think tv is what got me into i mean obviously we all love movies and music and this episode is sponsored by rosetta stone if you don't know rosetta stone is the number one most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app that's right you can now immerse yourself in the language you want to learn so whether you're traveling abroad or you want to watch some foreign movies and tv shows break down the communication barriers with rosetta stone they've been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, the list goes on and on. There's no English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Pick up the language naturally, first with the words, then phrases, then sentences. It's designed for long term retention. Plus, there's the built in true accent feature, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation, like having a personal trainer, but for your accent. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time lightweights podcast listeners can get rosetta stone's lifetime membership for 50 percent off visit rosettastone.com slash today that is 50 percent off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life redeem now for 50 percent off at rosettastone.com slash today after the end of a good fight you deserve an ice cold reward Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Books and the, but m- movies are really, I mean, I mean, series are really what got me into um, wanting to be a creator because it's storytelling that I understood how the audience can eat it up. You know but what I what mean? What did you study? Like, I know The Office, but like, what other shows really. Um, uh, I really liked, uh, like a lot of, I watched a lot of made for TV movies, um, that were broken into parts. Like there was a lot of Stephen King movies that I was, I just remember being like gripping my TV, wanting to know what was going to happen next week. Like Rose Red, the Langoliers, um, a lot of those movies, any Power Rangers was a big one because a lot of people write off Power Rangers. Like it's like a, a kid's show, but actually, I mean, up until at least I stopped watching it. I don't know what these new seasons are like, but up until, you know, I was, I want to say, I forget how old I was, like 12, 13 years old. Um, the mythology in that series was very, probably what got me into wanting to, the, the show has amazing mythology behind its characters and the backstories and how the how the characters die or what their purpose is and how they, how everything comes full circle. I have always, and I remember every week I would, if I wasn't home, I would have to program the VCR to record the episode because I could not miss an episode of that show. I was such an idiot watching Jersey Shore when I could have been learning from Power Rangers. You you would watch Jersey Shore. You haven't worn a fucking color since I've known you. But I... (laughs) I look uh, like I'd be (laughs) You look... Yes, 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 yes. Yes, but not all of us. Uh, it can be great. No, I'm. I, I, I love. I just loved TV growing up. I really. I loved the feeling of needing to know what was going to happen next week, and and coming up with theories of what could happen, or coming up with my own. You know, and, and all, I, I've I've sort of re have fallen in love with that joy again with um, like Hell of a Boss and Has Been Hotel. I love going online and watching people. Um, talk about what they think is going to happen or what they where they hope the story is going to go and it's that electricity it's that that I'm that I'm drawn to with with doing a show like with theater class I love the fact that I I try to make every episode end with oh where is this going to go or you know um, I can't wait for the next part so because I sat in front of the TV so much as you know growing up I feel like I I know the ingredients that taste really good when you're making the stuff, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I just, I love storytelling and I find filmmaking to be the best way of storytelling. It's the only art form where you get to work with every other art form. You know, makeup, music, set design, actual paintings and fucking costumes and all this shit. You get to work with every fucking, uh, no other art form. You, you get to do it all. What's your least favorite part? Art form? Porn? porn and what's your least favorite art form of filmmaking lighting sound oh like what which aspect like what department would i not want to work in yeah um, or what do you think is your sh- weakest here we go not strength what's the opposite? what's my weakest strength <laughs> what's your, probably what, my penile what, <laughs> what, what what's the hardest part for you of filmmaking um scheduling actors I fucking hate that shit because there are scenes that have five or six people and if 
those people aren't all available on or more if they're not all available on that same day then you're fucked and um you know sure you can get into the complications of like well this person can't make it so we'll just shoot around them and then we'll shoot their scene separate but it's like it limits you as a writer because you're like now i can't add a line where that character talks to this character because they were there on different days you know what I, you know what it turns into arrested fucking development when netflix did the season because all those actors were so busy at that point they couldn't schedule them together and it shows in the show you can feel it none of the characters are together whereas the first three seasons they're all in the rooms talking with each other and bantering because they're all there they all can improvise with each other so when an actor when one actor says oh well i got this next thing i gotta go do and it's like well fuck now i gotta reschedule this whole fucking scene and i'm not gonna guilt them about that i'm not gonna say you were the one keystone that we <laughs> scheduled this whole scene around and now you can't do it so fuck off no i that's my least favorite part especially with a show like this whereas with other shows i do maybe it's like three or four actors at most at a time in a scene this is an ensemble show where we have an it, it that's the one thing I didn't like about it when we did it the first two seasons <laughs> is that you know you, you're you, you have to just all seven people have to be there because they're it's not like they're interchangeable or that you know they're the main characters so that's not fun it never has gotten any funner or easier because everyone no matter who you are can suddenly have to be called into something whatever it is life is you know it, I, so the fact that I was able to do seasons one and two and not pay a single actor because we were all broke back then. I mean, those were all every everything in seasons one and two of theater class. Those actors were giving me their time because they believed in the project, and that is like that. That's the kind of devotion to a project you cannot find in Hollywood. I mean, you can if you scrape for it and know where to look. But I am very, very proud to finally be able to pay actors because I always thought back then doing seasons one and two it would be great to do this show and then the actors to go home with money that would be very cool and I I really fantasized about what that would be like and now it's finally here and I will say the one thing that's different now from compared to back then is that having a budget really does smooth the corners of the production nicely you know what I mean like here and they're like, oh, it's nice to have food on set all the time or to feed all the actors while we're filming. Or it's nice to, I don't know, have nice makeup products, nice wigs, nice costumes. That's where it's different is that like it's a little bit cushier and it's a little more comfortable now. At what point in your Brandon Rogers career were you able to start paying people? What the fuck? When when was that? I want to say it was when my like around the try me bitch era, like 2015 or so, because I wasn't making substantial money from YouTube to pay anyone. But then I was able to start paying a camera person, and then that kind of trickled into, well, then Magic Funhouse hit, and then <laughs> that cha-ching, I was able to start paying, and then my YouTube channel also blew up. And so um, that's when my channel turned into a business. What video blew up? Like what was the? What it was, was the... it was kind of a it was a series of dominoes really. It was it was when the try me bitch thing like happened on Vine, and then there's only one thing worse than a rapist. The uh, the I'm not going to your fucking baby shower. Move, I'm gay. I mean I'm I don't know anyone else, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know anyone else who's been a, a Vine meme more than me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that kid who has the hood on his head or the torts hurricane tortilla. I don't know. I don't know. I I really because it was try me, bitch. Move. I'm gay. I'm not going to your fucking baby shower. There's only one thing worse than a rapist. Uh, the, the one where everyone gets up from the table and the little girl grabs a gun. That's every anytime anything happens on Twitter. Yes, yeah, that that, that, that clip is used. Yeah. So I, it just so many different and so Vine. 
And I was very angry when that happened because no one was crediting me. All these these clips are going viral. No one knows who the fuck I am. And a lot of people don't even think I'm the same person. A lot of people thought these were different people playing these, making these videos. Um, and then, of course, um, the Fine Brothers found me. They uploaded uh, a video about me, and then that kind of put me on the map because they were like, "All these, all these vines that you guys like, this is the guy making them." And so then that sort of so then the vines turned into something that I resented to something that I was very thankful that they blew up because they put you know they they got my channel to finally be recognized. So do you think Vine was a huge catalyst? I think Vine was the catalyst. Yeah. Wow. I, Vine. I am Vine. I mean, R.I.P. It it made me who I am. Oh, I always mm-hmm. thought it was just like a steady incline because you had like you know, it's like crazy. I didn't even have a Vine. I mean, I think I, I maybe you didn't I, make your own vines. No, no, I didn't make my own vines. I had an account, and maybe I, up, I uploaded a couple of things. I don't. Rem- I, I, I really. That's not what got me. But it's, it's the videos that other people uploaded of me. That, that. So I, I wasn't known as a viner. I was always known as a YouTuber. But people found the clips through Vine. So they would think like, oh, this is six seconds of something, but there's more to it. What? And then they would go to the channel, and then they would find, at the time, ten years worth of content cataloged. And they would go back and, the, oh, there's, and so it, part of me was kicking myself in the pants thinking I wasted 10 years making videos no one was watching. But really, I was spending 10 years making a catalog for people to dive down once I was discovered. And that's, I think, so there's a lot of, it could be the fact that I had so much content for people to start watching and convincing them to subscribe and share with their friends. I mean, that's what it was that got me obsessed with you. Well, I, you know, luck, luck is when opportunity meets Success or uh, a cop, what is it? Uh, someone help me. Uh, opportunity meets preparation. Preparation meets opportunity. That's what it is. And I spent 10 years preparing. And then, so when the day that luck came around, when Vine or the Fine Brothers, or whatever you want to say it was that launched me, came around, I had the preparation to, to really. Okay, now we're going to make a video every week. I knew that the wave wasn't was temporary. It wasn't going to last forever. So I'm like, let's just keep making the and so the more videos I made during that incline, the steeper the incline got. And then Magic Funhouse came around and that's really when I became that's when I quit the job at the law firm. And that's when I was able to be a YouTuber full time or at least do what I love full time. How did I not know that? Was were you doing the law firm in LA? Yeah, in LA. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. And I remember finding your, well, we started talking and then I went on your channel and I found like the PE kids and then the sleepover and then mom. And again, that that was that rabbit hole. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's hilarious. I'm terrified to meet him in person. Well, I went down a similar rabbit hole with you, remember? (laughs) I I, I remember exactly where I was when I found you. I was in Canada. I was at Just for Laughs in Montreal. I was featured as a breakout creator, comedian. Uh, And I remember thinking like, like uh, there was a lot of digital creators there, and I went and, and I found you, and you I thought were funnier than a lot of the other digital creators they were featuring Whoa. at La- Just for Laughs. And I remember finding you in my hotel room. I was just like scrolling on and- Instagram Explore. Yes, yes, and and I think Explore was relatively new then. And I remember stumbling across it was a Man and Matthews video that you'd done, specifically that one. And I was like, she's really funny. But the direction this is taken, like the, the editing and everything, I'm like there's another layer of genius here. And then I started scrolling through and I was like, oh, he does this with other people. And and then that's when I was like, I need to to be a part of this. Somehow. Well, uh, I, I, I was like, I remember I was so excited because even at the time you like DM me or I, DM, I think you DM me 
And you only followed like eight people because that was when your Instagram was so like <laughs> I, exclusive. I, I also my ego was the strongest then. Oh, you were so kind. You didn't. You never had an ego. Oh, uh, the, well, I I didn't have a big ego, but if I had an ego at its peak, uh-huh. as I'm as I'm wearing this shirt like a fucking <laughs> Four porn, <sizes>. porn director, <laughs> as even when like yeah, if I if my ego ever had a peak, it was then because I had a I had Magic Fun House. My YouTube channel had just blown up. There was a level of I've made it, and you never really make it because it's a plant you have to keep watering. Right? Yeah, it can go away tomorrow. Right, it can go away tomorrow. So it's like, but there was this, and I, I see a lot of creators who are new to success. The, every one of them, when they blow up that initial, no matter how humble they are, every person, when they get fame and money, a little bit, you can see that, oh, I'm fine, I'm comfortable, I've made it. Yeah. And it's, it, and it's, it's very humbling when you see creators who then experience their first dip how they handle it and because because the thing is being an entertainer it's this it's always it's never this or it's ups and downs and um at that point in my career i thought that i would it was just going to keep going up it was just going to keep going up and i was like well yeah and and so i i maybe i didn't express having an ego but part of me definitely was living this mentality of like well i never have to answer to anyone anymore (laughs) it was it was um not true. <laughs> Do you mind just moving the mic a hair down? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. That sure screen. great on camera. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's this was a this was a well something I was going to give to the goodwill, but I'm glad I, I held on to it. Oh, I have a bag I was going to donate if you want to take a look at it before you go. Oh, no, I'm actually in the middle. I just donated three fucking boxes today. I love texting you and just being like, "Hey man, guess what I found in this alleyway? There's this really old vintage chair that looks like it's from a castle. Do you want it?" And your response was like, "No, I'm good." <laughs> you always text me. Th- well, I'm I'm glad you think of me though like that. That means you know that I'm uh, not some neurotypical douchebag. You're like this weird fucking thing Brandon would like it, and I honestly find that as a compliment. I think cuz one day I'm going to find something and be like, "It's going to be such an integral interval inter Intr- in Entrance integral, yes. Uh, part of your video, I'd be like, That's that's what I found, Brandon, yeah. in that alleyway that day. Every now and then, I always like, I have a feeling one day you'll send me something and I'll just be like, Yes, save it, I'll be right there. What street is it on, <laughs> Brandon? I'm in Palm Springs, I'll be there in three hours. Yeah, three hours, don't yeah. move, <laughs> don't, don't move. <laughs> How do you figure out all of your cuts? So, we just watched this the first two episodes. Yeah. Which by the time this comes out, both of those get released on the same day. They're they're a week apart from each other. So maybe the first episode's out. I don't know if it's episode two is out right now, but Okay. So no. even episode one, how do you figure out all those cuts? What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. So is that in your head or when you're scripting it out, are you like, this person's only going to stop mid-sentence and then we cut off and then we go and this person finishes the line? Yeah, pretty much. It's very structured. It's it's from shot to sometimes even in the script I will put like blah 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 this person says yada 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 and then in the middle of it in parentheses switch to a tighter angle and then continues their dialogue so even, yeah in the script it says or it'll say like if a, if a character is camera aware or if if a character just the little subtle things that make it that mockumentary feel uh, or documentary feel uh, it's all scripted out there's. For a show to feel as tight as this one does, it's really hard to just like, oh, well, we'll just improvise it and then we'll cut it together. I mean, every line leads to the next line, leads to the next line. There's no, it's always yes and then, not yes, but, yes, but, or you know what I mean? It's not, it's not uh, separate thoughts. Every line leads to another thought. So it's, it's, it kind of has to, f- like writing a simple scene can take hours or days just because we want it to seem so tight. And people go, they, oh, well, it's really fast. It moves a lot faster than film or TV. Well, film or TV, you're not, you know, people don't go back and rewatch them. I mean, it's the internet now. People are like this. And so you want it as tight as possible so that, like, when they have to go back or you, because you can watch it as many times as you want. Mr. Beast has a rule every three seconds there's a cut, something like that. Do you have any Brandon rules for when you're editing? It's not a rule. It's just more of a gut feeling. Like, when I'm editing, you feel it down to the split second that you've held onto a shot too long. You can like, and I know you know what I mean. Like you can feel it, like oh, this right there—that's that's too stagnant. I don't. I wouldn't. I mean, Mr. Beast probably has a numbers for everything, and his fucking cat. He's he's probably organized his shit. I don't have a system like that. I'm I'm just. I it's all gut feeling. <laughs> I run around like a chicken with my head cut off. I do. I I love chicken. You know, I would love to be a chicken. For you to lose your whole fucking head and still not realize you have any problems. If you had to be any animal, what would it be? Not a chicken. Oh, lion. Yeah, right. Yeah. You would not be a lion. I am a lion. You'd be a manatee. Look at me. Oh, wait. This is... <laughs> this is something else. Um, it's a cheetah? It's something. It's a cheetah. I don't know. What's a cheetah? What's the difference between a cheetah and a leopard? Cheetahs run faster. Uh, what about alligator and r- r- the other one? <laughs> Are you high right now? Uh, I smoked earlier today, but I think I'm sober at this point. Sometimes I'm just fucking stupid. <laughs> Do you write your scripts high? Uh, a lot of the times, yeah. What I like to do, do you think is you need it, huh? Do you think you need it to get to that place? I no, I don't need it. No, I, I, I coffee actually more so helps me write than anything. But I can, I, I like writing sober. It all depends on what mindset I'm in and like just the mood I'm in, where I'm at. Um, I write every day, and so I try to get myself, and it's never the same place. I try like, oh, today I'm gonna write on a walk. And 
or today I'm going to go get a massage and write in my head, or today I'm going to, I don't know, I try and find a place for my brain to just check out and just think only of the script. You know, it could be the shower, it could be just a long drive, anything. And so, uh, yeah, I, I try and check in with myself at least once a day to just get something decent on paper. Um, yeah. Do you ever focus on multiple scripts at once? I have a hard time doing that. Sometimes, yeah, with Hell of a Boss, I have to. Yeah. Anytime we're writing Hell of a... Especially if, if I'm... Some of the episodes I have, I write beginning to end. You know, we have a whole team of... Not, not I wouldn't say a whole team, but we have a handful of writers on the show. And usually there's that one person who's writing the whole episode and then everyone else jumps on to tighten it up or... You know, so so when it's one of my episodes, it's hard to juggle. Okay, now I'm done. I have to I have to pull myself away from writing hell of a boss, and then now I got to focus on class acts. Or like last year, I was having to focus on Bryce, and then you're writing both shows at the same time, and then you're doing both shows at the same time. So it's like you go from the studio and you're screaming as Blitz, and then you go to another studio and you're screaming as Bryce, and. <laughs> And uh, same with this one. I'm playing three characters this year. I'm doing three shows this year. And that is fucking... I'm so fucking... Me, 15 years ago, would be turning in her little grave right now going, damn, or coming or bleeding, whatever the fuck, however I expressed excitement back then. Yeah, it's crazy to think that... And they're not just three characters. They're like three characters that I feel like fit, fit me like a glove. And so... I'm very, very, uh, yeah, happy to be coming back to it. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about anymore. How do you determine who writes the episodes for Hell of a Boss? Just whoever. There's never really been a debate on it, I guess. There's but, always, like, if you're writing one full episode, like episode four, how do you know that Adam's going to write episode three in... Usually Viv, uh, the showrunner, she'll she'll assign... Or the show's creator, I should say. She, she'll assign who does what episode, usually, but... She does it based off of who th- she thinks would be best at which episode, and we've we've all kind of agreed. Like she she knows our sensibilities really well. You know the episodes that fit my sensibilities, she hands to me, and they're always the episodes I would have wanted to write. You know, it's like oh, I get this one. Oh, awesome! I wanted to, and you know there is a bigger universe that she has, so you have to kind of respect that and check in with her and be like does this conflict any of the mythology and it's not just her mythology she follows biblical mythology and so um same with my shows there is like even with my stuff there is kind of a like when i have other writers on a project there is a, a mythology to sort of abide by with with anyone's universe you have to kind of check in with them like does this conflict with anything um so yeah with her shows i think she knows best which writer does which episode uh strongest and uh I always get the ones that I think are funniest. So, is it easier for you to write a hell of a boss episode rather than something for yourself? No, it's harder. I mean, it's not like hard, but it, it the, the easier one is the one where I don't have to check in with someone on it because with my stuff I can write it and I I know my own universe very well with with hell of a boss or or yeah, with anything that's in Viv's universe, it's it is tougher because I don't know the universe as well. I'm not playing in my house necessarily. Um, I know my character really well. She she usually has me write episodes that ha- feature my character heavily because I can write for, for years about Blitz. But um, the universe itself has... 
it's like a combination of her mythology and biblical mythology and it's and i feel like some of the fans probably even know the rules better than i do of of her world (laughs) but um yeah i i'm very happy in my little office corner of of imp with blitz and my that little that world i know very well um and uh it's crazy. I feel like this is a character I get to retire with because I I've I go to these conventions and there's voice actors signing autographs on characters from like 20 or 30 years ago. And so it's like the, this is a character that I will be forever bound to. And that's such an honor to have something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of my characters I will be married to, but Blitz in a certain way is more specific and distinctly assigned to me. I think when people think of him they think of me and me they think of him. you know it's very i don't know i i have a special kinship with blitz that i don't necessarily share with a lot of my other characters that i've created and i think it's just because he's so i want to say he's like a version of me that viv created i almost feel like viv had me in mind for the part and created this like kooky you know imp uh, with with a lot of my life features was there anyone else in the running for that role not that I know of. Wow, always you. <clears throat> I think she always kinds of kind kind of has an idea of who she wants to cast when she comes up with the character. Whether or not she gets her first choice, I don't know. But I have an idea that she kind of knows as she's creating the character who she wants to play them. And is doing voice acting as cool as they say it is? I would say it's even cooler. I thought <laughs> I always used to think that voice acting was like. The dream job. No, I thought it was like a lesser version of acting. Oh, really? Because it's only your voice. And I thought, well, I, I always kind of assumed, well, voice actors wish they were screen actors. Because at least the screen actors, they have a face that they're known for as well. It's not, And they have to do two things. They have to act with their voice and with their body and with their face. No, 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 no. With voice acting. Here's the thing. You know how you can tell that voice acting is harder? Look at any episode of The Simpsons where they have a guest actor. You can tell which one's the guest actor, even if you don't know that guest actor, because there's something more muted about regular actors with the way they talk. And I I can't put it into writing, but you know what I mean. When, uh, when there's a celebrity guest on The Simpsons... It's flat. <clears throat> it's flat, right? Voice actors have to have this range that's almost bombastic. When they're doing lines, every character, there's a a difference between how I talk, there's a difference between how I talk as myself, like I'm doing right now, and there's a difference with how I talk as Blitz. It's, it's, it is harder, I think, to voice act because it's so hyper fixated on the tone. And also people are analyzing it a lot more because you, you do these, these lines and then people spend months listening to those lines over and over, meticulously animating a character to match the proper expression that the tonality of that dialogue is giving. So um, there's a lot, I, I, I think that voice acting, having done screen acting and voice acting, I can tell you voice acting definitely has a certain kind of elegance to it and it's it's revered in a certain way that regular acting isn't because regular acting has not gotten me to conventions it doesn't get me people creating plushies and fan art of my character i talk with other voice actors and it really is such a it's way more respected than i thought it ever was who do you think are some of the most talented voice actors the one i work with honestly richard horvitz i'm not just saying that because i because i work with him he plays uh my co-worker on hell of a boss but he's also uh the the director of the show he voice directs the the entire series that end has been hotel and i grew up listening to him 
You From know, what shows? Billy and Mandy, Angry Beavers, Power Rangers. Angry Beavers. Uh, he's he's in he is Invader Zim. He is uh from Psychonauts. Uh, he's just done. I guarantee anyone listening to this has grown up with his voice in their living room at some point. He is has this incredible range, and he's just one of the most avid working voice actors. And he's just so down to earth. There's so much to look up to him too. Uh, or there's so much to look up to him about. And um, every time I am in the booth with him, I feel like I'm getting a free acting class, like, or a free voice acting class. Cause I'm learning not just how they do it, but in real time, I'm there in the studio actually doing it with someone who's done this much, you know, longer than most other voice actors. And, and he's the one coaching me. Are there any other plans for other uh, animated shows? Uh, that I'm, that I'm involved with. Yeah. Um, there are, I, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of which I'm actually, I have a lot of work lined up this year more than I, and I more than I ever have. Are you already booked out for the whole year? Like is, I'm never booked out for the whole year. Who the fuck do you think I am? I say <laughs> yes to everything. I'm never booked, but, um, I, I do have a lot of stuff lined up and it's like not just stuff that I feel like, Oh, okay. I, I got this stupid, I'm lo- mowing the lawn in the background of a church movie. I don't, it's like roles that I would want to play. And I'm, I think the more I do this shit, the more I am unintentionally creating a brand that casting directors go, oh, he's a good actor for this. And I feel like I'm finally at a point in my life where I'm not getting, you know, dirtbag bro at a biker bar because that's not who I am. I'm getting roles that are like Blitz and Katie Killjoy and Alex Rimmer. I'm getting these parts that are, yeah, I would play that character. Did you get those mowing the lawn roles yeah. prior and would you turn those down? Well, I would. I really haven't gotten any roles. Uh, did you like, go in a major? I, I, you know, yes, I, I did get I, a lot of things. I was cast for in anything. It would be like, like, did you know who I was, or did you just pick someone to mow the? Or they'll like, you know, what I was told when I was a teenager is that I, I wouldn't land any major parts unless I knew how to speak Spanish. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and growing up in a in a like a white town where everyone it's anything's possible for everyone, but you you better speak Spanish. <laughs> that was so limiting to me, and so, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm I'm just happy I get to play parts that I want to play, and the characters will speak Spanish if I so fucking want to. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that stigma is still there? You can't go from YouTuber to actor. I think a lot of YouTubers killed that in the in the YouTubers getting a movie era. I'm not going to say which ones, but I think a lot of YouTubers proved to Hollywood that they are not a safe choice to bank on for a film. Um, I make fun of Anthony and Ian all the time for that shit. They did a movie? Oh, exactly. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that a lot enough YouTubers showed Hollywood that there, it's just not a viable option. But there are some of us who I think should get a shot at doing something creative. And I just saw a movie with Liza a couple nights ago with Netflix. She directed it? No, no, no. She was she was like fourth or fifth lead, but she I think she stole the show. She was good so good. Her. Well, she's always taken it seriously. Like I She has. And I feel like the ones who do take it seriously they they remain and you know YouTubers come and go. I think we all thought 15 years ago that the was even YouTube around back then? 15? Well, when when the term YouTuber was starting to pop, I think there was a, a sense of like, oh, you've made it again. Like this person's big on YouTube. They this is they they are a star forever. And I think if there's one thing we've learned in the last ten years, it's that YouTubers or just internet um, 
people have a much shorter shelf life than I think any of us predicted. It's not like old Hollywood where you're a celebrity until the day you die. It's like, oh, we've forgotten about you already. This or you know, it's just such a. So I think I think the ones that have remained and the ones that have gone beyond YouTube and done other things are the ones that really want it. You can tell, like Phil DeFranco, uh, is it Joji. Am I even saying that right? But you know, or Smosh, you know, Anthony, like all these people that are still, that are around back then and are still around now, um, they, they, they work hard at their craft. They take it seriously. They want it more than a lot of other people. And I, I think that if you have those elements, um, eventually one day someone will see that and give you the right opportunity. Um, you know, like, like Vivian, for instance, you know, getting in hell of a boss or has been hotel, that was after years of making YouTube videos, and she saw that and thought I would be good to play a character. So I didn't audition for it, but I spent, at the time, what, like 10, 11, 12 years auditioning for it, in a way, with all the videos. And so um, I think if you're persistent at something long enough, Pete, the right person one day will see it. Oh, that was, that was good. Yeah. That was really, that was inspiring. I think so. I really do. Because, like, even Richard Horvitz, who is a legend, he said... You, you you can't be better than anyone at a lower level because one day they will be handing you the parts. They'll be signing your checks. They'll be in a position to help you further. And if you're above, you know, the, 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 the people that follow you when they're very young you know they they can smell that and i th- i think that or or if you're receptive to working with them they can smell that also and so i know that you know there's there are people who come up to my booth and say i was watching you when i was 10 years old i probably shouldn't have been that's what everyone said but i'm like and one and and here you are now uh, you know, like in your 20s or whatever and you're and one day you're going to be a producer in your 30s and 40s and 50s and i'm going to be an old man hoping to get parts and I'm glad that I planted the seed early because <laughs> it's true. You, one day these people will be, or not even just producers, there'll be other artists that I want to work with, you know, that, um, so I, anyway, I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about now. I forgot why I got on this point, but I, I do think that, um, being kind to all of your, your followers, especially the younger ones will, will pay off. When you're going to these conventions, that's like the, the autograph signings. Yeah, and also I don't mean that being kind to anyone should pay off. I be, you should be kind regardless of whether or not it pays off. But yes, I'm cutting that part out. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Um, yeah, I'm go- these the conventions, which are like half my life now. Where do you think people know you from the most now? Because you've been an uh, internet sleuth for 15 years. There's a lot of branding going. What around. the fuck did you slur me? Uh, a sleuth. Oh. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, it's a split bag. People come up to me and they're like, oh, I love you from Hello Boss or I love you from you. I, I think I, it really is split down the middle. Uh, where do they know me from? I don't know. A lot of, and a lot of them still like know me as the guy from Vine. Um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. And so like when I do autographs, there's a print for every character that I've played and every all, character. Mm-hmm, and that's a good idea of. It's a good way to get an idea of which characters are most popular because, you you know, certain one like Grandpa usually sells out pretty fast. Mom. Uh, the mom, Bryce, Helen. Sam. Bobby Worst. Sam is a big one. And then, of course, uh, Blitz. It, it's Blitz is arguably one of my most popular, if not my most popular character. Can you tell who 
is going to gravitate toward what character? Like, you know they're a grandpa character? Not unless they're cosplaying as the character. If uh, they're cosplaying as grandpa, they're going to get a grandpa print. If they're cosplaying as mom, and those are probably my two most common characters. Uh, grandpa, mom, and Bryce. I'll see a lot of those walk up to me. I see, I see a few Sams. It's, it's, it's always a treat when I see someone as a better looking version of my character. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's like someone or like... Just, just like, or someone who looks like just a, like, yeah, that's what Bryce would look like in real life. And she's like rocking it better than I am. It's so cool. I'm like, you are fully realized, Bryce, or fully realized. I've seen an old guy be grandpa, which was really fun. And I've seen uh, an actual mom be my mom character. And so when you see the real versions of them, it's like, oh, that's trippy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm, I, uh. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just happy that these characters have, you know, they're the ones carrying the handlebars of my coffin. They're the ones that are going to get me through life all the way to the end. And I'm I'm I didn't know that these characters would be such a big part of my life when I made them. I didn't think Grandpa was going to be this major pillar of my career. My mom character certainly hell of a boss. I had no idea. Um. So yeah, that's why I say yes to everything. I really do say yes to like any project that comes my way. Uh, if I can fit it in the calendar, I say yes to it because you never know. There was a movie that I did uh, two years ago, <clears throat> three years ago now. I didn't think it, it didn't seem like a huge project at the time, and just a couple weeks ago, it was released on Peacock. And is it out now? Yeah, it's called Bosco. I mean, if you blink, you'll miss me. But I do have a, I have like four scenes in it, and it's a very, it's a, it's my first serious role. How do you think you did? I think I did great. I love, I really liked it. I watched it, and um, I mean, it's a great movie. It's a true story. This, you know, I, well, I won't get into it now. But uh, it's, I suggest what it's, it's really not something I've ever been in before. That's what's so crazy about all of this is that that. You filmed that two years ago and it just came out. But see, the same thing. I'm 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 doing um, a movie right now called Dracula's Ex Girlfriend, and we can talk about it because by the point this releases, there'll be it'll be in Variety magazine. But whoa, yeah, wait, what? But uh, when I when I signed on to doing it, my my manager was like, "Are you sure you want to do this?" And I'm like, "Trust me, this is another Bosco situation." It's going to be something in you know down the line, but you shouldn't be above. If you're if any if you're someone who's in a similar situation to me, you shouldn't be above I think any project be, unless it sounds absolutely awful. But you never know what something can turn into. You know, like Hell of a Boss was just supposed to be like this little animated short that was like a test pilot, and maybe and if it did well, maybe we'll do other episodes. But that wasn't the plan. And then it did really well, and then we're like, we got to get to writing, and then it turned into what it is now. And so, when that first episode of Hell of the Boss came out, were you overwhelmed by the response, or did it take a while? For so, it to- what happened was, I, I shared the animatic with a friend of mine. What's an animatic? That's like a halfway done animation, or it's like it's like an animation, not even halfway done. Well, I shouldn't. It was like the sketch. Yeah, it's like a really just bare bones, janky. Uh, there's like storyboard. And there's like an animatic right above, you know, it's like, it's like just above that. And, um, I shared that with a friend of mine and I said, is this good? Cause I'd spent the last month writing it, voice acting it. And then, or less, yeah, then another month went by and then, you know, we, we saw an animatic of it. So I was like, is this any, is this any good? And my friend was like, holy shit, you gotta be on this show. Oh my God. And my friend was a big animation lover and I, 
admittedly wasn't huge in animation beforehand. So I, I didn't know if this was, but he said, you know, and, and then, uh, and then has been hotel. The pilot came out and that blew up. And so hell of a was scheduled to come out just a little bit after that pilot. And when has been blew up that that's when I was like, Holy shit, hell of a is going to be big too, because it's going on the same channel. And so that was when I was not, I wasn't overwhelmed because we were all, now that we knew that this, there was an audience, there was an audience for it. We were expecting a big splash at that point. But the overwhelmed part was when has been success happened because that's when we realized shit, the audience is here. They're lined up, they're subscribed, they're ready for this pilot. I think what was overwhelming was, was feeling the devotion from these fans because these fans are not typical fans these are fans that memorize everything from it and they have all the merch and they do they make this incredible fan art both in you know visual and in audio they create songs inspired by the show based on the show covers of the show's songs um and to see people ingest art this way it was it was really cool to be a part of the other end of that because i've never seen i mean I've had devoted fans before, but seeing animation fans are specifically different. Like it's, pe- yeah. it's kind of cool because they're like obsessed with your art in a se- in the way that like it's really detached from you because yes. it's not your face. Well, see, and and I I to that point, I was going to a lot of conventions like like VidCon and Playlist Live, and that's those are conventions where people are excited to see you because you're famous. There's very little separation between you and what you do. And at the conventions I'm going to now, like these are these are much more tailored to people who like video games and animation. This is where people like the work. They are here because of what I've done, not because of me or who I am, but because of what I put effort into. And that is so much more gratifying to me. You know, pe- people. I mean, at VidCon, I'd have people lining up to take pictures with me who didn't even know who I was. They were just, oh, you're famous, so I got to get a picture with every famous person here, and you know cut to these conventions and they're like i loved in this episode the choice you made when blitz did this or you know or or what, what do you think is going to happen between these characters i mean i could just there you get to be a part of them digesting the art and that's really cool because that's why i'm there i'm not there to for them to meet me i'm there to talk about the stuff that we've done that year at peacock i got that role because of my friend you know georgie yeah you know, she was a producer on that movie. Oh. And so that's that's why I got that role. And then Has Been and Hell of a, I got that because Vivian. Yeah. And so it's like I got forced into Peacock and Amazon. Like I'm starting to force my way into Hollywood, but because of my friends. Right. You know, and I, I do want one day for Hollywood to not be afraid to be like, you know what? I don't need a reference. I'll just pluck Brandon on my by myself. <laughs> well, I think that that happens over time. Like the Netflix premiere that I went to. They emailed me directly, and it was oh. so out of the blue, and I was so confused why they picked me because there were no other creators there. It was like me and like two other people, like genuinely just two other creators that I saw. Holy shit! It was so weird, and I walked the <laughs> the carpet ended at six thirty, and I got there at like six twenty eight. So it people walking the carpet were the writer, and then me. And then the whole cast. So it kind of looked like I was part of it. Oh, my God. You do look like a Hollywood Joe. I did. The The security was, like, trying to not let me go through somewhere. And I was like, I I'm just trying to get over security. there. And he was like, I can only let through the cast and the crew. Are you Are you, are, are you, are you part of... Are, and you he wouldn't, tell, he wouldn't say, say if I'm part of the crew or not. Oh, you just got to say Google me, bitch. Google me. 
Yeah, Google me. Yeah, Google me, bitch. I've uh, only once ever used the Google me thing. What do you mean? Um, I was locked out of my hotel room one time. But there's so many other Brandon Rogers. Yeah, but listen, fuck you. First of all, (laughs) I was locked out of my hotel room, okay? And... I and the the person was yeah and also fuck you again because Google me actually you do you see the other Brandon Rogers is there <laughs> there's the Eat one singer my and there's ass well, the other yes, one we all know about this is the other Brandon Rogers I was talking about <laughs> yeah let's see this cunt <laughs> oh he's handsome fuck you you're just looking at me again no um what I, happened with the Google me so I was at a hotel and uh, they and I got locked out of my room and I locked my ID in the room and I worked at a hotel for fucking five years I know that you can't let them in unless you ha- have some way of proving that they're them because what if they're trying to get into someone else's room so I knew I was fucked I knew that they were that they so I I, I went there and um I told the guy at the desk I'm like I don't have my ID on me. I, but I'm. I promise. I'm. My, that's my name on the room. And he says, "Well, I can't let you in the room because I. I. There's no way for me to." And I'm rightfully so, as he shouldn't. You know, I don't want someone coming up to saying that they're Brandon Rogers and getting in my room. So I said, "Can you just Google me? You'll see, like just type in my name in a Google. You, I promise you're going to see this face." And he did, and it worked, and I got my key back. But it wasn't. It had nothing to do with me trying to brag or anything like that. I just needed to get back into my hotel room. And I was surprised it worked. Uh, he had every right to think I was an asshole. He still would have Googled me afterward. But he had every right to think I was a dick. <laughs> so, But I've never used it to be like, oh, yes, Google me, bitch. Right. <laughs> well, I didn't know you worked at a hotel. Did I not tell you that? No. Yeah, yeah. I worked for, for five years. I worked at a hotel. I did everything there. What, was, did... The, what was the craziest thing you ever saw working at a hotel? No, this is the best thing that happened there. The best thing. This woman caught her husband cheating on her. That's so, the juice so, I'm talking so this, about, this man. Is, this is why you can't give out the room numbers or, or the names of who's in the... So she came... It was like 11 o'clock at night, and this woman came in furious. You know, she was like... I know my husband's here, and I said, "Oh, okay. Well, do you want me to uh, to uh, connect you to to his room? Do you because I can I can put?" And um, she said, "No, no, I don't want him to know I'm here. I just want to know what room number he's in." And I was like, "Well, I can't give that out." And she was like, "Fine." She goes out all night long. She circles the hotel looking for what room, looking trying to find him in like the window. Because only a three-story hotel, so she, you know, she's 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 like, okay, I know that you have a guest in this room, this room, this room, because I could tell by which lights are on. And I said, and 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 I knew the guest she was talking about too, and he definitely was cheating. He checked in with someone. First of all, his ID, he was from in town. He he lived like not far away. So either his house is getting fumigated or he's fumigating someone's a box. And uh, so I was, and in the in the person he checked in with was like clearly not his wife. They just they didn't you know you can tell you're like you're you just met or, you know. And uh, so they they went up to the room and I knew and and I at the time I was like. I, I, I was like, I'm gonna help you catch your cheating husband. So I was like I was like, look, I legally You got can't. involved. Of course I did. I was working graveyard shift. You think I got shit to do? So I, I said, uh, I can't tell you what room he's in, but I can't stop you from sitting here in the lobby all night long. And that's our only elevator. Brandon, you you crazy little man. No, I I I like helping someone in need. And so she sat there on a little couch in the lobby. We spent the night together. Did just... you guys talk in between? Yeah, but she was kind of crazy. She slashed his tires. 
Oh, she saw his car there. Oh yeah, she 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 slashed all his tires. And what happened when they confronted? When so seven a.m. or so rolls around. My shift ended at seven, and I was going to stay for however long it took, even after I got off work. To but sure enough, right at seven a.m. Husband comes out of the elevator. By himself? Yeah, and I told her, I said, just don't do anything in the lobby. Just take it outside. So she, he, his face when he saw her, uh, he went outside into the parking lot with her, came back in. He was crying. And this guy was a big guy. He looked really tough. He came back in? He came back into the hotel crying because his car, his tires were slashed. He, he says, he said, he's, I, I called my mom. She's on her way to pick me up. <laughs> my wife does love me. <laughs> oh, it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was, it was, that was probably my favorite day on the job. Was Did he like, leave with that girl? No, she went out the back. I never saw her again. She was, I swear, she was nothing. I could see them in the parking lot. I promise, it was not for me. It was a one thing. I did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are there any other other? Um, I used to drive the shuttle, and one, you know, for the hotels, they'd go to the wineries and get married and come back. I'd drive the what? And was it an upscale hotel? No. It was like a Dunder Mifflin hotel. <laughs> mm, okay, okay. And uh, like if Dunder Mifflin in that office universe could be a hotel, this was the place. Perfect. I I make uh, my assistant Liam stay there when we're in town, like when we're doing class acts, and uh, he knows it's not like it's not amazing. <laughs> it's not a great place. But uh, anyway, we got to the we we uh, yeah there was there was a um the shuttle that I would drive, and hotel guests are the best customers because they're. They're happy. They're there for a good time. Oh, not hotel guests. I'm sorry. Wedding wedding guests. Wedding guests are the best customers because they're there to have fun and they're all in a good mood. That's you know they've been planning this for months, for years even, and so you get to escort them to and from their party. And escorting them to the part to the wedding is fun because they're all excited. And then escorting them back, they're all drunk, which means tips mm-hmm. and they especially tip if you take them through a taco bell drive-thru so we would always do that i always take the shuttle through the taco bell <laughs> drive-thru and they would all get whatever they wanted and when you're drunk taco bell and so uh yeah and they would tip me really well because i took my time getting them their food damn and they would always get me like something i wanted to eat too and that was back when i was big brandon and i'd eat it all <laughs> <laughs> i miss that brandon yeah well, uh, he's, uh, I don't know where he is. Where does fat go when you lose it? I'm so confused, Do you too. piss it, shit it, sweat it? It has to come out of somewhere. I think it's all of the above. Do, do you have stretch marks? I Oh, yeah. You do? Yeah, and uh, I'm starting to get them in my arms, too. But, uh, yeah, oh, oh, of course, yeah, stretch marks. I, I've tried every butter. I've tried getting them. But then I kind of like it because it's like a reminder that, you know, it's crazy to me that I've I've lost the way it's been seven years i've been skinny now and, and it's that's a long time it hasn't been what was your heaviest you ever were 265 okay i was 230 you fat fucking chunk <laughs> don't shame me large and in charge joe volpus <laughs> oh big hips coming through <laughs> big hips oh my god yeah you uh what do I, you weigh now what's that i weigh 160 you lost a hundred pounds. Yeah, that's why I'm saying, where does it go, Brandon? That's crazy. Where does it go? That's a, that's a hundred pounds to just. And I'm you know proud who of else you. lost a lot of weight? Yeah, thank you. I'm, that was one of the first things you told me when we first met. How you were like, 
so excited to be in shape to make videos now. Yeah, yeah, and I, that was that was shortly after I lost all the weight was when I met you, and and then I motivated you to keep it off. Who's Maureen's daughter? Susie. Uh, Susie. I know her mom better than her. That's, That's so, so sad. Marie, she's just Marine's daughter to me. Um, but yeah, she lost a lot of weight too. Yeah. Holy shit. And that's hard because their family makes really good food. Yeah. Their family, uh, I fucking love. When we were at your wedding, did I tell you what happened with Susie and I did at your wedding? You guys hooked up? You hooked up with Susie? You and Susie banged in the closet? I, I didn't want to say it here, but uh, I thought she would have told you before me. I'm Wait, kind of happened? offended she didn't tell you. I'm just finding uh, stuff out. Someone yesterday told me about a fight that so, happened. What? Who oh. got in a fight at your wedding? I can't say who, but there was a fight. Was it physical? No. Oh, I'm, I'm, but there was screaming. Oh my god! I, you I did that. That was my that was my day. You're you chose to have your fucking wedding during Hurricane Hillary. Pretty cool, huh? Although it was a little drizzle. That's all it was. When we it was did. a downpour. Okay, so I have to say, Joe, the hors d'oeuvres at your wedding. They were amazing. I'm a foodie. The food sucked. The that, food. What? The, it, fucking. First of all, I'm keto. It was pizza, pasta, not even a fucking salad at this claptrap. Because this is, I am a foodie. We are there to eat. It was a, it was a Michelin star restaurant that served the food. More like a Michelin man restaurant. <laughs> You're insane. No, the hors d'oeuvres were good. The food, honestly, it was, it was garbage. But uh, the, you're only saying that because you couldn't eat it. I, I, I no, I still ate it. I still ate it. Brandon, your taste buds and are so some, off. As then. someone who hasn't had carbs in such a no, long no, time, I have my fingers up. You put your fingers down. <laughs> this my wedding food was top notch. You were no, the first complaint. No, no, How no dare I'm you? not the uh, no, and I'm not the first complaint. Um, but uh, the, but so we went down. So 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 Susie and I, who are both like trying to do keto because we're losing weight, we're like this fucking food we can't have any of it so what did we do we went we marched our skinny asses down to that reception area oh and you took the grazing table we took the we went we, we were by ourselves like it was this big empty reception area or not reception area um where were you first the, the, the like the mingling yeah area. part one we were the only ones down there. It was in the dark. They didn't even have the lights on. Yeah, and you weren't allowed to go there. No, we weren't allowed to be in there. But uh, the food was also there. The, the staff was packing it up. I think they were going to take it home. But no, Susie and I sat there and we bonded over the food we can have. And we just ate. She kept calling it a carcucci board. And uh, <laughs> and I remember we would just we were eating cheeses and meats and laughing our asses off. And being a, having that moment with her was one of the best experiences I've had at a wedding ever. When did you guys hook up? Uh, it will. Well, we we weren't as much putting ourselves inside of each other as we were putting food inside of each other. Oh, but not it, where it. you think, and not where you hope. <laughs> Get your mind out the gutter. So you have class acts. Mm-hmm. Do you know what you're doing next after that? Good segue. Um, I, <laughs> um, I, 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 I always kind of know what my next project is going to be. Yeah, what is it? Toward the end of it, Spill like it right here. No, come not, on, not on this show, please. Who are you saving me for, Anthony's? You already did that. <laughs> I've done it twice. I have been on that fucking show uh, twice. He's brought me. That's too too many times. Spill it here. Come on. What do you got? Uh, I'll spill that. How about that? Stuff in Sam Part Two. Twenty more episodes on Facebook Watch. You know I was on Polly Shore's podcast, right? Yeah. Was that a big deal? I mean, yeah. Did you become friends with him after? No. Do you have the urge to become friends with people after you meet them? Or is that just me? Uh, it's just you, Joe. I know you need the friends. 
Because <laughs> anytime anyone comes over, I just want to befriend them. Oh. Brian Baumgartner, me and him are buds. He watches my story still. Well, Brian Baumgartner is not here right now, is he? No, I got Brandon Baumgartner. <laughs> Brandon Baumgartner. I bet you he's a good kisser. I know he's a good kisser. Ooh, you heard it here on the Brandon Rogers uh, guest episode. Brandon, thanks for coming by. Thanks for telling us about the new tea, about your new episode with Stuff and Sam coming out very soon this December. Yeah, Joe, you're always making me come. <laughs> Uh, go check out Brandon's video. It's going to be linked down below. The series just came out today, and hopefully you guys enjoy it. I hope you're cutting to the wide. This is my favorite angle. Oh, my God. I just broke my glasses on your podcast. This show is fucking cursed. I think we got our clickbait. There it is. <laughs> no, just the screw came out. Is that okay? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.